welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And we have executive producer Scott McDulty here in the studio. How's it going, Scott? It's going great. Thanks for having me. It's an honor, as Thank- always. Thanks for um, being on the show and letting me rant for like <laughs> 27 minutes before we started recording. Uh, this is all fuel for the fire. Yeah. Wrist w- for the mill. <laughs> welcome to being my friend. <laughs> I just, I've been... Been in that role for a long time. Yeah, you're from you're familiar. <laughs> yeah. You're like sometimes you just gotta let her go. Absolutely. You gotta let that fucking flame burn itself out. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we all go through we all go through times. You know? yeah. 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 I actually was um telling someone yesterday that I can't wait until um all my health problems are dealt with because I feel like the past three years of my life have like really been challenging me to be a stronger person emotionally between like all the living situation and mm. employment drama and health problems. Like I feel like I've been um, forced, like the universe is trying to make me a stronger person emotionally. And I'm like, as soon as my body is like back to a functioning form, I'm going to say fuck working on myself as a person and just mm-hmm. throw myself a hundred percent into fitness. Um, because I did just finish reading this David Goggins book that you let me. Oh uh, yes. And, um, his kind of overarching philosophy, uh, he's, we'll, we'll explain who he is, but he's, he's a physical athlete and he's about training your body to callous your mind and make yourself tougher. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to be, um, at full health. And so I can just be like, fuck dealing with my mental strength. I just yeah. want to just be like a fucking, I don't know, like a um, one of those muscle muscle men who's just like, yeah, I just pick up heavy things all the time <laughs> and then not even have to think about other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that uh, he also definitely went through some some mental and emotional stuff himself. I mean, that that's a that's a part of the book. Well, that's you know? the crux of the book, and I guess yeah. I'll have you give a primer of who he is because I feel like my biggest takeaway of this, I mean, this David Goggins makes you want to be a tougher person. It's a lot about yeah. persevering and overcoming obstacles. So, uh, yeah, do you want to explain who he is? Sure. So for those of you that don't know, um, he's kind of he's kind of hot right now. He's kind of famous. Uh, but David Goggins is a former Navy SEAL. Um, he is also a um, a ultra runner. Uh, ultra running is basically people that run these these like 150, 200 mile races, uh, which for one thing, that's a thing. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and he does it. <laughs> Um, and, uh, he has been on, uh, Joe Rogan a couple of times and, uh, talking about his life story and he's done some motivational speaking. You can find him on the internet pretty easily. Uh, but he recently came out with a book, uh, that basically tells his life story. It's called Can't Hurt Me. Uh, and it's about him, uh, coming from a very, very difficult, uh, childhood filled with, uh, physical and emotional abuse um, and just uh, going through going through some things and uh, finding his way into into the military and uh, he tried three times to get into to pass the the seals buds course and on the third time he got it I think right mm-hmm. and um, yeah so and he had I think a twenty year career and now he's so the military is weird because you can be retired like he's retired but he's only like 45 you know because that's you know you start when you're like 18 so it's crazy yeah it's wild i first discovered him through rogan and it was when i was living in my mom's garage and (laughs) working at a movie theater and trying to 
get a job in California. I forgot about the movie theater gig. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really dark time in my life. It's just not where I ever thought I would end up as someone who's college educated, has a hard work ethic, like things really fell apart and I was experiencing a lot of adversity um, on my road to trying to pursue this dream that I had of uh, moving to California and working for Disney. And um, yeah, I just, my, it was one, I say those, those times in your life where your life is a country song where the, mm. the truck is broke and the dog is sick yeah. and the wife is cheating and you're just like, it's, everything's piling on. And I, I uh, listened to uh, Goggins on Rogan and it really pumped me up because yeah. he is um, in a way a motivational speaker and um one of those people who encourages you to go, yeah, like you dealt with difficulties, like no one cares, keep working. He always says, get at it. Yeah. Um, and he is the type of person who was really not set up for success because he grew up poor, abused. Yeah. Um, he, he had a first go around in the military that was kind of unspectacular. And then he was working overnights as an exterminator and he was obese and just felt burnt out. And he was in his early twenties and just was burnt out. And he got it in his head that he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but he was, I believe, 103 pounds over the weight limit. Yeah. and He, the, was, he was like over 300 pounds at the time, I think. Yeah. And he's like, he describes his life where he's going into these fast food restaurants. And do you need a. <laughs> you got. Excuse okay. Me. Sorry. Scott had to sneeze. <laughs> sorry. Um, he's going Just into. Corona. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> um, he's going into these restaurants um, after hours and spraying for cockroaches and emptying rat traps and. Just like working alone, killing bugs. And then, which by the way, I used to, um, the restaurant next to the restaurant I worked at it was a, what was it, like a Jimmy John's or some mm. sort of sandwich shop that just stoners who worked there. <laughs> yeah. And one of the guys um, who worked there, um, picture um, the kid from Superbad, the chubby one. Okay, yeah. Uh, picture him. And he had been an exterminator. And he's like, yeah, man, it like, fucked with my head just seeing that much death on a daily basis like he's like i just felt haunted by all these souls but so david goggins is he's working as an exterminator and then he's getting off at four in the morning or whatever and he's getting milkshakes and donuts on the way home just like his his medicine his soothing medicine yeah um sorry my house is giving scott an allergy attack yeah i'm trying not to sneeze again but it's gonna happen it's it's the dog no, it's just been really lately. I don't know. It's just something in the air. Yeah, yeah. I, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Phil. Um, so, so he's it, he's he's burnt out in a dark, depressive place, feeling lost, and he gets it in his head he's going to be a Navy SEAL, and it, the test is three months away, like whatever the admission is, and yeah. so, but he's hundred and three pounds overweight. And also there's a written test. Like you have to take an aptitude test when you join the military and it's a higher level test to get into certain positions such as a SEAL. And 
Goggins didn't do well in high school. He had trouble reading and was embarrassed to say he couldn't read. So he yeah. cheated his way through school. Um, just not not an academic. And so he has three months to be able to score well on this test and lose 103 pounds, which, of course, no one thinks he can do. I mean, who yeah. can lose 103 <clears throat> pounds in three months? What's amazing about this story is when you if you think about it in real terms, like if you met this guy like a 300 pound exterminator, you know, who just literally eats, you know, literally like eats like a dozen donuts and and drinks like a a large chocolate shake, like every single night when he gets off work. You know, if you met that guy in real life and he's like, yeah, training to be a Navy SEAL, like you would just roll your eyes, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. And uh, so the fact that a person who's living that life can make that decision and then actually do the things that are needed the like in, incredible effort to make that actually happen and then do it and then just you know for one thing to make the effort to get there and then okay y- he failed halfway through the first training i forget why i think he bro- broke an ankle or something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh no he had a respiratory infection he was coughing oh, up yeah. blood so most people would have been like hey it's pretty amazing i made it this far i'll just whatever move on to something but he's like no no i'm gonna do this you know yeah he just keeps fucking going back you know and uh so to me as someone who does not have very good willpower at all it's just mind-blowing to to hear this story uh and to think like wow imagine what i could do if i actually put my mind to something well and it's a good reminder because i feel like i used to be a really self-disciplined person and somewhere along the road I got beaten down to the point where I like lost that if Mm. that makes sense because I used to live a very spartan life and was very focused and achieved everything and I think I got a little comfortable or defeated and I got because okay when you hear a lot of hero story it's it's like hey this person accomplished this thing and it what it doesn't mention is all of the adversity they faced along the road to get there and yeah. a lot of successful people faced less adversity than I have. So, you know, I go, oh, well, my friends who I went to fashion school with who were successful, they had wealthy parents or they married bankers and they were able to make it through the first five years of their career because they had financial support, like that sort of thing. And I, I, you know, or I had these disadvantages or Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble achieving my fitness goals because I'm dealing with a chronic illness, right? And what I like about David Goggins is he talks about all of the not only all the odds that were against him but also all of the failures along the road um and so yeah he sets out on this mission he does lose the weight mm. and he he those 3 months all he does is work exercise eat steamed vegetables and chicken breasts mm. and study like he makes a routine and sticks with it and loses the weight, makes it to SEAL camp, and then, yeah, he gets sick there because you, you learn a lot about what it takes to be a SEAL in this book. And Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild what they put these men through, and so it's not surprising that he got pneumonia during this, and he was still trying to make it through with pneumonia, yeah. and then finally someone caught him coughing up blood and made him go to medical, and he took <clears throat> another uh, go-through uh through SEAL training and he made it to the last day of hell week with two like 
both his shins on both legs, like both shins were full of fractures. Oh yeah. And he made it through all of the challenges on fucking fractured legs. It's insane. It's insane. And it makes, it does make me think a lot about like, you know, because like right now I'm spending four hours a day on phone calls with insurance companies and like doing research on this in addition to working out and going and working my job and doing the podcast and I'm exhausted and it would be so easy for me to go, dude, I'm sick. I can barely sit up straight. I'm nauseous. I just want to lay down before I have to go to work. I can't deal with these phone calls today. And then I go to myself, well, fucking Goggins can make it through SEAL training, through Hell Week on broken legs. Your sick ass can sit in a chair and make phone calls, you know? And it yeah. that's the sort of thing that like I appreciate when I think like, oh, I'm too weak to handle this. Like, because like it would it would be really easy for me to go – Oh, I can't do my workouts because I'm I'm sick. And like a lot of times like I I because of the nausea of my disease, like I throw up in my mouth a lot during Pilates class. I know very sexual, hot. very hot. <laughs> and then a lot of times the pain's so bad I cry my whole drive home. Mm. And so it would be really easy for me to go, I'm not going to do this. But I know like mentally number one, like physical activity is good for me. Like it makes my it makes me feel better mentally and it does help me physically like it makes because uh, exercise helps your ability to manage cortisol levels. So when people exercise regularly, they deal with emotional and physical stress better because their body's equipped for it. Yeah. So even though in the moment it's really miserable to be working out, I go totally like a, a whole, I don't know, holistically, this is a better thing for me to be doing. Just get through this miserable hour because. Mm you're better off for doing it than if you didn't. And so I just go, if, if fucking Goggins can do Hell Week <laughs> with pneumonia and broken legs, you can make it through this hour-long Pilates class. Like, And so I appreciate all of that. And I think on the last day of Hell, his second Hell Week with the broken legs, again, they sent him to medical. And then he had a third try. Yeah. And that's the final try. You can't just keep trying. Right. The military doesn't have all fucking day to make you a seal either. <laughs> right. <laughs> either you can make the cutter, you can't. And his third hell week, someone dies during it yeah. from pneumonia during an exercise, which is horrific. I had a really hard time reading that because I just like couldn't believe that like, because these men, they want it so badly. And despite the fact that they're sick, they're broken, like they are in a physical condition that most people wouldn't be getting out of bed and they are doing these extreme feats. Like it's insane to me. It's fucking insane. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a level of dedication that's like beyond me. Yeah, I and it and it makes you go like these are the super achievers. Like these yeah. are the type of people because especially no matter what your thoughts are on the military, the people who go into special ops are a certain type of person. Yes. And it's generally not people from cush economic backgrounds who pursue mm. a career in the military. It's usually people who've had a lot of disadvantages in life. Yeah. Um and so it is very impressive that their determination uh, at one point, I believe Goggins like is trying to go through Army Ranger training, and he has to sign a thing saying that like he will not report or complain about racist remarks because racism <laughs> is so rampant. Yeah. Because also, by the way, David Goggins is black, and he. Th- 
at this point in time, there had only ever been like one other black seal. Yeah. Like there had been no black army rangers. And so, oh, and he has, he doesn't have sickle cell anemia, but he does have sickle cell trait, yeah, which apparently causes medical problems. And then later we find out during this whole time, he also has a hole in his heart that was undiagnosed. Yeah. So like, and, and because of this heart defect, like his blood doesn't oxygenate as well as other people. Like, so this is a person who like really had obstacles in their way to go on to pursue this excellence yeah um and it, it makes you it makes you look at the things that you're letting get you down and be defeated by and go i can fucking do this like yeah it's in, it's incredible and yeah just the fact that he uh so obviously navy seals don't have to go to army ranger school yeah but it, and, and he kept trying to go he's like no i want to go and they were like why do you want to go like do because in in the um, in the spectrum of special forces, uh, rangers would be like below Navy SEALs. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, there's so the 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 equivalent of a Navy SEAL in the Army would be a Green Beret. That's that's Army Special Forces. To become a Green Beret, usually you become a Ranger first. That's like your first entryway, and then you can go to uh, the Q course, which is the Special Forces Candidate course to be a Green Beret. So. It's. It doesn't make a lot of sense for someone who's a SEAL who's already like at the top of their game to go back mm-hmm. and do that. But he wanted to do it because he heard that it was a really challenging course. And this is a guy that just likes to challenge himself. So they finally let him do it, and he he graduated top of his class. He was the top honor man. So yeah, and he said he liked that when he went to the Ranger program that everyone was equal. Equal. So even if you were an officer, yeah, they take your rank off when you when you get there. Yeah. Yeah, and he li- he likes that. He's someone who thrives in the in the. Um, I know he describes it as like the dark place or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, and that is where he gets his motivation. A lot of it is, um, like, I'm trying to think of like the way he described things. Like there's like uh, taking souls yeah. where he, you know, if someone was trying to get him down or show him up, he's like, I'm going to take their soul. Meaning like, I'm going to surpass them. Like yeah. I'm, and, uh, I think that's, uh, it, it's very interesting. Um, uh, he says a thing about like having your cookie jar of, um, like things that bad things that have happened to you so you can like draw on them when you're like working on things and being like i've been through this i can handle this and i really liked that um and he has an exercise every chapter ends with an exercise there's one called the accountability mirror oh yeah (laughs) where you um put post-it notes on your mirror and you like hold yourself accountable and so like if you like he would say like if he was working out and he Mm. Had, his goal was to do 300 pull-ups that day and he quit at 250 after work he would go back to the gym and do 300 not just do the 50 he missed right. but start at one and do 300 and he calls like a lot of his exercise like callousing your mind um yeah. because you could be um like soft and let things beat you down or you could just use all of this because the way calluses happen is it's repeated injury and then you build up thickness and strength right in the same way that like broken bones when they heal it's thicker in the spot that broke before and i think that kind of is his whole deal is like i i'm gonna just keep building on top of this till i'm the toughest motherfucker yeah the the two things that i most identified with or that struck me is like really poignant about Goggins story is 
Um, one, I really identify with the way that um, he talks about when he is in like really bad or tough situations in training, whether it was uh, in SEAL Bud's school or when he was in Ranger training, when things got really, really bad and he would basically start like singing or whistling and like making jokes Mm -hmm. and people would look at him like he was crazy because you're like, you know, we're in 50 degree water in the middle of the night and we're doing butterfly kicks, you know, in the sand and everyone's miserable and tired and this guy's like singing. Um, And what I like about that is I have, I have found myself in situations like that, not physically, (laughs) but I've been in like certain situations where you're working really, really hard um, like in kitchens because I've worked in kitchens and it gets crazy sometimes or just when I've worked in a call center where everything's breaking and you're just nonstop on the phone getting yelled at by people like all day long over Mm -hmm. an eight hour shift. And I've been in that situation and I've done the same thing where I just start, you almost like a weird switch flips in your head where you, you turn that into a joyous situation. You're just like, I'm going to make this fun. Like, I'm just going to like, it's almost like going slightly crazy, but but it saves you, but it like, it makes you suddenly not care anymore. And, uh, like, I identified with that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been in situations like that where you just flip that switch and, and go a little bit crazy, but it works. It helps you deal with the situation. Yeah, because if the yeah. situation, like, say, okay, software's down, calls are rolling in, people yeah. are screaming at you, you are going to have to stay through solving the problem until it's fixed. So either you can let the stress break you down and buckle yeah. and you collapse, but you still have to make it to the end of that yeah. situation, or you can go all right wow we're having fun yeah exactly and like i i used to work with this bartender who when things would get like really fucking crazy yeah he would just go we're having a good time hey this is great what a fun time and so like now i do that where it's like you know like what a fucking rock and roll we're having so much fun right now and like i feel like you have to do that when it reaches a certain when whatever you're doing reaches a certain pitch where it's like, I'm going to die or whatever, or quit and walk out or whatever the case may be, it's like you, you have to just, I don't know. There's a certain amount of humor in, in chaos and tragedy and yeah <laughs> and things going wrong, you know? So. Well, and he in one of his chapters, he talks about how anybody can quit. Yeah. Anybody can be a quitter. But to continue on past the odds past the struggles you have to be uncommon and he talks a lot about he uses the word uncommon a lot where he's like you know because he's the only black guy or the only guy he's older than everyone else or whatever and he he, or like when he gets into ultra running and people tell him he's not built the right way because he is he's taller he's bulkier it's more stress on your joints or whatever and he's like i'm gonna be the uncommonest motherfucker out there like and um in one of the later chapters he talks about how um the person the first person to run the four minute mile was told it's physically impossible to do this and so everyone was told it's impossible to run a four minute mile and this one guy got it in his head that i can do this and as soon as he did it within 12 months like 20 other people had done it because it took one person to open the door and say it's not impossible. Yeah. It can be done. And then other people can do it. And like, I think that is why I like stories like his so much is because 
you go you i just like um i guess the against all odds sort of stories yeah because it makes you go no it is possible and like no matter um he talks about how people in your life will even instead of encouraging you will say it's fine it just wasn't meant to be or it's Mm. not your journey or whatever and he's like because they don't want to see you go through the hurt and the struggle right yeah like let's say you're trying to get into ivy league colleges that's your dream but like you don't come from a background or have the right application. People will tell you don't bother applying because they don't want to see the disappointment that comes with the rejections instead of going, you can fucking do this. And he's like, so even people in your life who like love you, they will discourage you in a way because they don't want to see you struggle. They want to see you comfortable. Content and happy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, but there's power in saying, but what if? Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that sort of, it's like the in improv it's a yes and mm, yeah and david goggin says but what if i could yeah and then he talks a lot about um building blocks and so i learned there's a thing in the military called an aar an after action report yeah and um you basically do uh he says a live autopsy of events so mm-hmm. you can break down what went well what went wrong so that when you experience failures you can first of all acknowledge what went right so you don't feel like oh i'm such a loser <laughs> like you know i wanted to do stand up and i got up there and no one thought i was funny instead you can go okay like what went well yeah because that'll help you the next time you do it and then what went wrong so that you can course correct yeah and i like again say what you will about the military i did learn a lot of like strategies that could be helpful in life yeah this after action report was a good one um there's also a thing because in ranger school you have to do it's a lot of navigational stuff yeah and he what are they called they're called like checkpoints so like if you miss your turn you're supposed to plot when you're plotting out your course you plot out markers that will indicate that you missed your turn Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah. The switchbacks or something. Yeah. And so he's like, this applies to things in life, too, where if you're scheduled, you're trying to achieve a goal, you need to have markers set up so that you know, like, when you're off course. Um, So you don't go even further in the wrong direction. You hit those points and you know to circle back and get back on track. And I thought that was a very interesting thing is that a lot of times when we're planning things in life, we plan the things that are supposed to happen, but we don't plan markers in case we get off course. So like if you're trying to lose weight, you have a dietary plan that says this is what you're supposed to do. But like what are – what – Cause you're going to go off course. It's fucking life. Yeah. And so you need to anticipate like, well, what happens if I go out to eat and I eat too much or I pick the wrong food? Like what is the course correction in that? So I can get back on track for the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And like it, like in sobriety, like you're going to relapse as part of recovery. Mm. And so then you need to have figured out instead of just go, Oh, I'm never going to drink again. Mm. You need to go, okay. But if I do find myself Hmm. that I go out one night and drink, what is my methodology to course correct, which would be calling your sponsor, doubling up on meetings, whatever, um, instead of falling off the wagon and then going further in that direction. And so I think that was a useful tool. It it definitely it's given me a little bit more respect for the military as an organization um, in terms of like character building. Oh, yeah. There there is a lot of good in the military. I mean, uh 
I was in it <laughs> for those that don't know. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. I always tell people like, yeah, it's not, not my cup of tea. I wouldn't do it again, but yeah, there are some definite good things. Uh, a lot of it is just like, it'll make you organize. It'll make you a more organized person because mm. the organization is amazing in the military as far as like the, the level to which, you know, they've got everything planned from like the, the largest group of people down to like a single soldier. So, you know, like you as an individual need to have like these things on your person at all times. And, and you know that you are supposed to go in this direction. And then they also know what like the guys on your left and right are going to do all the way up to like a thousand man unit. Like uh -huh. they, they just got everything. They got it figured out. You know what I mean? And it's, it's pretty amazing when you, when you're in that kind of organization, just to, to see the wheels turning and be like, Oh wow, this really, this stuff really works, you know? And it's, it's a <clears throat> sort of discipline that you can then carry over into civilian life and the yeah. benefit of, um, getting things done i'm trying to let me find the passion passage that i'm thinking of in regards to this because um okay so he's talking about like opportunities to be be uncommon and he says there are people in all walks of life who relish those moments and when i see them i recognize them immediately because they are usually that motherfucker who's all by himself <laughs> it's the suit who's still at the office at midnight while everyone else is at the bar or the badass who hits the gym directly after coming off a 48 hour op she's a wildland fighter who instead of hitting her bedroll sharpens her chainsaw after working a fire for 24 hours that mentality is there for all of us man woman straight gay black white or purple fucking polka dot <laughs> by the way this is how david goggins talks yeah there's a lot of swearing in the book <laughs> um, all of us can be the person who flies all day and night only to arrive home to a filthy house and instead of blaming family or roommates cleans it up right that cleans it up right then because they refuse to ignore duties undone hmm. and i think that's a really good um discipline because sometimes like life spirals out of control and you go yeah. I've got three weeks of dirty laundry. I have a sink full of dirty dishes, blah, blah, blah. Cause you come home and you're tired and you just, and, and it makes, it sets the tone for your life and your mindset, right? Is if yeah. you go, if you let yourself ignore your dishes, it's, it sets a slipping mindset where now you're ignoring, Oh shit, I was supposed to get an oil change a month ago, two months ago. Like it lets you, it sets the tone for slipping versus yeah. if you become a person who says, I'm not going to leave tasks in my life undone. I, yeah, it would be great to get 30 minutes more sleep, but you know what? I really need to do this thing. I need to make this phone call. And then you fucking do it and you feel like, oh, fuck, I accomplished that. What else can I accomplish? Yeah. And so like, I, I, I think that's, I think that's valuable. And I think it's a military discipline in my life. The people that I've known who seem the most organized and their life are the least chaos are, ex-military yourself I've, i lived with a roommate for a long time who is ex-military and like it's the people who like they their dishes don't get out from under them you mm. know <laughs> they they don't have like a broken whatever for months like they they have the discipline to go i need to this needs to be dealt with i need to deal with it instead of going like oh i don't know maybe it'll magically fix it all <laughs> You know, um, yeah. so it is I, I think it is um, it is valuable. And, and maybe it speaks to me more because I've always been that mindset, like where if I work a double shift, I'll wake up early to make sure I clean my house because I go, well, I'm going to come home really fucking tired. I want to come home to a clean house like. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's just 
I think it's a it's a better way to live because I know people whose lives are chaos and it's because they give themselves too many breaks. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. Or they, they go, oh, I'm not going to do my laundry because hashtag self-care. I'm going to drink a bottle of wine in the bathtub. And like <laughs> drinking nice. a bottle of wine in the bathtub is super fun. But like, yeah, the shit is going to be waiting for you tomorrow and it's going to pile up with the other shit. Yeah. That's actually not self-care in that case. It's really just delaying the inevitable, you know, it's. I have a big problem with like the sort of like social media self hashtag self care stuff because I honestly think that it isn't self care. I think real self care is building a life that you want and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so I, when people, a lot of times when people say hashtag self care, it's hashtag self indulgence, which are very different things because you know, drinking, eating junk food are soothing in the moment, but they actually make you feel unwell in the long run. Yeah. And so that is hurting yourself. Um, and yeah, like letting, giving yourself too many breaks is actually making your life harder and messier and then actually dealing with things and going, okay, well I need to do this. Yeah. Very true. And another thing that, um, I also really like about Goggins. And I think this is when I first heard him on Rogan, I think he said this and it stuck with me and it's what made me, in, in part want to read his book is uh especially in the fitness world because i'm very unfit <laughs> and uh-huh. i hate exercise i'm always trying to get better at doing it but what i don't like is uh people that are espousing like fitness will always tell you uh you know like those like those fucking peloton yeah treadmills it's like those kind of people that are like come on let's do it like this real like fake positive type thing yeah that i don't respond well to that because it makes me want to punch that person in the face mm-hmm. and what i like about david goggins is uh i heard him say one time he goes you know people think i like getting up early in the morning and going running i don't i fucking hate it like he literally said i fucking hate it but i do it anyway uh-huh. and i like to me that just blew my mind because i'm like oh wait so people that are like really fit don't necessarily like exercising. And that made me feel like, oh, well, then I can exercise then. Because all of a sudden I realized like, okay, because I thought I was like a weirdo. Like, well, how come these weird, these people like, uh, who's that big fucking giant guy that talks to people that is like a big motivation? Oh, Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought like everyone's supposed to like love working out because they make it, they make everything sound like, come on, it's so great to work out. And I'm like, no, I don't like it at all. So so to hear this guy who's like the toughest man alive and has like 0% body fat say, no, I fucking hate doing it, but I do it anyway. To me, that was like, oh, well then I can do it. Yeah, yeah. I can't recommend to people reading his book enough because he talks so much about how that physical discipline is he's doing it not to be fit, not to hit like physical goals. Yeah. It is a mental game to him. Yeah. And, completely. Um, I really appreciate that. I remember Zach used to think that I eat the way that I eat because I like it. Like he's like, yeah, but you don't like like sweets or pastries or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, the fuck I don't. <laughs> I fucking I'll tell you things that I love. I loved drinking. I love carbohydrates. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. And I did that shit until I got type two diabetes and I quit because 
I wasn't going to let my health spiral away from me. Yeah. Like, you think I fucking like eating these piles of raw vegetables <laughs> that, like, given that, if it were nutritionally the same as a pizza, I would choose <laughs> this bullshit? No, I would eat the whole fucking pizza. Like, and so that sort of thing where it's like, oh, but they like doing this. They yeah. like doing that. It's like, the, no, I don't. Like, it would be, I don't. I like Pilates because when I do it, I feel better the whole rest of the day and it helps me maintain my mobility. Mm. Um, in the year that I wasn't doing it, I ended up spending what I spent at the Pilates studio at the chiropractor because my back was so bad. Yeah. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to go spend a bunch of money and like be in a room with all these rich ladies. Like, that's not what it is for me. And like some days I have a good time working out and other days I am fucking miserable yeah. the whole time. But like the point is that I do it because the discipline sets the tone for the rest of my day. Cause I'm the type of person that like I slip really easily. I mean, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a binge eater. So like, you know, one donut means 12 donuts. Like it's just how I am. And mm. if things, if I'm not hyper vigilant, like my life spirals out of control really quickly. And so I, the, the discipline of like physical exercise really does set the tone for the rest of your day. Um, and yeah, I, dog Goggins doesn't, he, he is kind of like, um, uh, what's his name that nobody likes that philosopher from Canada uh, Jordan Peterson he's like a you know yeah. Jordan Peterson's always like life sucks yeah look, look at your miserable self in the mirror <laughs> yeah and decide what's wrong and you have to work on and like Goggins is like that too where he's like yeah yeah it sucks and it's hard and like I think in uh, where's this chapter um Oh, at first, when you push beyond your perceived capability, your mind won't shut the fuck up about it. It wants you to stop. So it sends you into a spin cycle of panic and doubt, which only amplifies your self-torture. But when you persist past that point to, to the pain fully saturating your mind, you become single pointed and the external world zeroes out. Boundaries dissolve and you feel connected to yourself and to all things in the depth of your soul. Um, and so, okay, that's what I was after these moments of total connection and power. Um, and I like that where it's like, yeah, because when you first experience pain at something, you want to quit. Yeah. And th I guess there's no bigger metaphor for that than running an ultra marathon yeah, because that's insane to me. he'll say, you know, at mile 25, my toes were exploding in blisters at this and that. And like, he kept going and the harder it gets for him, the more determined he becomes, the more he zeroes in and like, I'm going to get this. Yeah. And, um, because it, it is like once, once you push past that point of pain and realize like, Oh, I'm still fine. Yeah. I listened to this podcast about, um, these girls with, I forget what it's called. It's like a pain syndrome where like literally everything in their bodies feels like they're on fire and they become crippled and disabled by it. Oh my God. And, doctors don't know the source of it and um it this experimental treatment facility um opened up where they took these girls who were in extreme neurologic pain could mm. not move like would cry and throw up just walking to the bathroom mm. and they put them into a program of extreme physical discipline where they were doing crazy like you know um swimming activities crossfit type stuff like wow 
these girls who were disabled by pain and it actually cured them because it reprogrammed their nerves to withstand pain because what was happening is like any slight thing like a you know the brushing of fabric Mm -hmm. would cause searing pain and their brain would panic and go oh my god this thing this is it would send off alarm bells Mm. and by pushing them physically it reprogrammed their nerves and their brain to calm down and go oh pain's fine and, and it's actually like it was the proper treatment for that. I'm, I'll try to find the podcast and retweet it because it was fascinating to me. And I think that is what David Goggins really represents is like the amount of emotional and physical pain. If you push through and endure it, you become a stronger person and then pain no longer hurts you. Yeah. Once you've experienced all of these horrible things hurting you, if you process it properly, you become a tough person a tougher person and now you're like you can't hurt me yeah like hence the title of the book (laughs) oh yeah that is actually what it's called huh it's called can't hurt me yeah (laughs) master your mind and defy the odds um yeah and what else oh there's the fucking pull-up championship he tries to break the world record for pull-ups oh yeah he did he does finally break it Uh, yeah yeah but yeah he tried like three times i think and and failed on national television yeah. and the second time he tries it he his hands are totally blistered like it's down through the dermis by the time he gets to the emergency room he's in i believe it's rhabdomyolysis which yeah. happens when too much lactic acid in your muscles does something to your kidneys and they can't process it and you pee brown and you can die Oof. and and so he's in the hospital in in rhabdo with hamburger meat palms and before he even sees the doctor, his mom, who sounds like the best lady ever, yeah. <laughs> is like, so should I call them and set up the next time you're going to try again? Because like, I know you're going to try again. And he's like, before I'd even received treatment for my injuries from my failed attempt, I already was planning my next attempt because like he's not going to quit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. His mom sounds great. Yeah. And they endured quite a lot together. I mean, it was, uh, you know. They, he had a father that was extremely physically abusive to his mother and him and his brother and they basically all fled from him uh and uh like halfway across the country to get away from him but uh that was only the beginning really of <laughs> of their tr- like very you know economic troubles and his whole family's pretty extraordinary because his mom en- ended up becoming a college professor yeah can you imagine she yeah. was a battered woman like yeah. with no education and she went on to get a phd and become a college f- professor it's phenomenal his brother went on to get a phd yeah like they it, these are people who really could have every excuse in the book to not excel yeah, in life like exactly. if they ended up like you know being a lifetime like manager of mcdonald's or like not even manager like just yeah. if they ended up working at target for the rest of your life you'd be like i get it yeah like i fucking get it because the world shit on you yeah you had no advantages in life and they all um were super determined to achieve and like you said before i read the book that like it wasn't always like him being the way that he is wasn't always beneficial to him like people in the military didn't like him he had divorces like it wasn't i mean he's not an easy person to be around yeah he sounds i mean he's so hardcore that it's like i can't imagine you know living with him like i can see why he's divorced twice you know it's just like and that there were times there were certain parts of the book that I found disconcerting, like where he would work really, really hard to achieve a goal, like finish an ultra marathon race and then be like, 
he's like, and I wasn't even happy about it. I wasn't even like, you know, he, like I didn't even want to celebrate. I'm kind of like, oh, at least celebrate you know? a little bit. Yeah, like he's just so laser focused, you know, uh, that it's almost to the point where you know they're we were like, yeah, man, I can see like how it is. Like basically, he's never satisfied. Yeah. So and the fact that he's never satisfied with his own performance is what drives him to perform more and more and more. But uh, yeah, at a, cer- at a certain point, you just you just want him to be like. Hey man, give yourself a pat on the back. You yeah, know? like just be cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did an interesting thing because he was in charge of recruiting for the seals for a while because they wanted to reach out to minorities because yeah. there were no minorities applying to be in the seals. So they sent him out to be a motivational speaker, and he would go speak at high schools and colleges, and then he would schedule to run an ultra marathon. Like he would schedule his tour based on where there were ultra marathons. And he would tell the kids, like, if you might be interested in being like me, I want you to come and be my support crew while I run the marathon, which I think is, like, really cool to, like, take these kids who had never, like, even perceived this, like, version of life or this direction and be like, come be part of my crew. And then it tested the dedication, like, what kids were out there at 4 a.m. the next day wanting to train with him and, like, kind of helped him, like, pick out what kids who could maybe go on to become SEALs. Um, It's a very very interesting approach, and I I like that idea because he does does a lot of community outreach in terms of, like, inspiring kids and then also, like, fundraising for the families of fallen special ops people which is what oh, yeah, he, he does a lot all of that yeah yeah he does all his like marathons and guinness world record stuff to raise money for them like yeah um i don't know i think that it's uh well you know hashtag uncommon yeah i mean <laughs> he is definitely an uncommon man uh yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> I, there's all these exercises in the book like each chapter ends with like a challenge to you and a lot of it is yeah just like writing and thinking and focusing because in life you can have ideas and goals but like it can seem like vague or unattainable because you aren't doing the like journaling to get there. And yeah. so I like that like he does these uh, after action reports and he does these like accountability exercises. And it, I think it's um, useful tools for people to help achieve goals like very common. He, like he writes everything down like yeah. his, his whole workout. He logs everything, which is, is important, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm crazy about, uh, I always have a to-do list on my phone all the time. Yeah. I'm constantly adding things and removing things, but yeah, I'm always, you know, like I, I just started, I mean, I just got in the habit of doing that, uh, like in the last year mm-hmm. and I don't know how I've survived of this long without doing it because it's just like, it just keeps me focused on, <laughs> on everything that I need to do. Well, I think yeah. because like, especially the world we live in, it's so distracting. It's easy. I think more people probably than ever have executive function disorder where it's like hard to like mm. zero in on goals and, and complete things because you are distracted by so many things across the board. And so if you aren't constantly keeping lists, like how do you get anything done? Yeah. Cause I'm like, I live and die by my planner. It's, it's, I always say my life's like an episode of 24 because mm. I have to, if I'm going to do all the things that I need to do in the day, it's gotta be planned down. Um, he even talks about some people who their days are planned to hour by hour and yeah. each hour is a sole focus task. And then, that hour ends and you move on to the next task rather than go, oh, I, I you, let me do three more things in this thing because then it cuts into the other thing. Right. And that sort of like extreme planning, I think, is probably very, um, very helpful. Um, let's see if there's anything else uh, that I wanted to touch on on this episode. 
Um, and well, one of the things is he talks about how he lives like a, a monk and he doesn't spend time with a lot of people. Yeah. And I appreciated that. <laughs> I knew you would. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm so sick of getting shit from people for like not hanging out. Yeah. Like I don't, there, it, it's impossible unless you have, you know, just free money sitting around. It yeah. is impossible to, um, cause you have to work and no one has a job. No, no one fucking has a job. That's what they want to be doing with their life. And so yeah. you have to work, have a job to survive. And then if you want to accomplish the things that you actually care about, you got to really fucking budget your time. Yeah. And yes. every time you spend all the time you spend with people is time that you could be doing things to actually pursue your goal instead of go oh i really wish i could learn a new language or you know like uh, a friend of mine was recently saying you know people say oh i really wish i could draw like you Hmm. as if it's like drawing is this natural born talent and anyone who can who illustrates will tell you no like some people maybe have a little more aptitude than others but it is a skill that you have to practice and hone and like if you really want to do something you have to budget the time to do that to attain that new skill and there's more excuses now than ever to not with social media. Yeah. Oh my gosh, just the scroll. Oof. I fuck. Well, I mean, I, I, it's, I, I try to limit it to late at night when I don't have the brain cells left to do anything else. Yeah. You know, I get home from work at two in the morning and I'm dead. I'm not gonna read a book. I'm not gonna mm. sew a dress. So that is my social media time. But I, I'm really trying to have the discipline to not do it in the morning when I'm, I have the mind to do other things yeah because it's such a time suck and then you go oh i i wish i I had time to have this hobby and then if you check your phone it'll tell you how much time (laughs) yeah (laughs) you spent not getting after it that's why i've been thinking like i gotta get get rid of my tv i just spend way too much time yeah watching the telly um yeah i do too i never i was never a tv person and then like i'm in a relationship and like it's funny how, how that how that happens <laughs> my zach is a tv person he just fucking loves tv he loves movies and yeah. it is a activity that we have in common M- mostly what we do now is he puts on whatever it is and our dining room table is like behind the couch and so i will be working on my computer or doing whatever craft i'm doing while the tv plays because i i reached a point where i was like i can't I've never been a couch potato and I don't love myself being a couch potato with you. Like it is fun to cuddle up and like watch our stories, but like, you know, and there's pressure. Like it's uh, probably a lot of why David Goggins relationships didn't work out is like Mm. people want to spend time with their partner. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, you have to go like, I remember when Nick Lachey was married to Jessica Simpson and he was saying like, yeah, it's really hard. Cause like, you know, you want to cuddle your, your beautiful wife, but part of the reason why your beautiful wife wants to cuddle with you is because of your six pack. So you got to get up and go mm. and crawl away from her and go to the gym. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where it's like, and friendships, like friends will go, Oh, you can't, you can't come to brunch with us. Like I don't have time to do a five hour brunch. Yeah. I, I have a workout class and I have to do basically a book report for my podcast. Like (laughs) I don't, you know, and people will take that as they take it personally as rejection. Yes, they do. And I don't, I hate that. Don't take that as rejection people. Yeah. Don't. Cause I don't know. I just like, I'm the type of person where if you don't have time for me, cause you're pursuing your own goals. Mm. Fucking good. Yeah. Good. I don't need you to, (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't need you to want to spend time with me all the time. I want you to be a fully fleshed out human being. Um, I would rather that. And then, yeah. and then the brief times that we do have together, we have something to share something to like, because it's like, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? You know, and we're people that like ourselves. <laughs> you know, I just, I thinking back to a relationship I had where the guy was like, well, I would drink less if you hung out with me more. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be the thing that fills up the emptiness in your life. I want you mm-hmm. to have a fully fleshed out life that's full of things other than me and your job. Yeah. That's because that's disappointing. And you and and you shouldn't be happy with that. If like yeah. all you have is your job and your relationship. I'm not saying that those are bad things. I'm just saying like it. I don't understand the mindset that leads someone to go like, yeah, I'm satisfied. Yeah, I don't know. uh. Well, I don't know what it's like to feel satisfied, first of all. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think a lot of, the reason why, I mean, I'll say the reason why I watch so much TV is that I, 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 it's the same as drinking, basically. It's like, I should be doing something, you know, I should be making positive changes in my life, whether it's working out or whether it's, you know, taking steps to, like, enroll in some sort of class or something. But it's like, oh, well, you know, that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that because I might fail at whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I'll just uh, watch I'll just binge watch this thing on Netflix. So, yeah, because you're yeah. not going to fail at that. Yeah, there's exactly. no risk of failure. Just yeah. like <laughs> if you don't, um, you know, it's scary to, let's say, ask out the waffle woman, Rob Love. But <laughs> it, because there's no there's there's if you don't, then there's no risk of failure. But he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did she say? What'd she say? Well, he said he did exactly what I told him to do. He was like, he told her, you know, if you ever want to get soup together, let me know. Because hmm. I said, just put it in a way that puts the ball in her court. Yeah. Like, that's not like, I'd like to take you on a date. But it's like, hey, if you want to do a thing together, let me know. Yeah. And then it's up to her. Hmm. So we'll see. Stay tuned to be uh, continued. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting his beard all oiled up right now. Oh boy, Rob Love. <laughs> Fucking gonna mail him a razor <laughs> for his beard. Yep. <laughs> Do you think that he knows what his face looks like underneath of his beard? He doesn't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I should ask him how long he's had that beard. Uh, Owen, who was on the podcast talking about cryptids, he accidentally shaved his beard and mm. is hiding his face. And I was like, if you aren't selling private Snapchats of your naked face, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. And he said that he would rather show people his penis than his unshaven or than his shaven face. Wow. Yeah. He's real protective of that mug. I guess so. I, or he's just scared of how rich he would be yeah. if he tried to sell beardless pics. I'd buy one. I mean, I got a haircut this weekend that I uh, just love. I finally, I have not, I haven't loved a haircut or my hair in like 10, 12 years. And I got a haircut and. Uh, it looks great. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I feel like you're now you're just saying that because you know, no, the you pressure's sh- on. But. No, you sent me a picture and it looks, <laughs> I did. it looks yeah. really good. It's very. Um, this is at the end of the day, so it's it's a little not as good as it no, was. No, it but, still looks know. good, though, because I you. ever since I've known you, you've been on a program where you get OK haircuts. And then once a year, <laughs> yeah. you get one really bad haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like that's been that's been Scott's M.O. where like his hair's OK. And then once a year you see him and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, it's called Supercuts. Yeah. <laughs> I finally went to a real barber and uh, and yeah, I found this this Russian dude or Eastern European or something. I don't know. 
but he's so funny because yeah he just says these crazy things <laughs> like <laughs> like you need to go straight to the hospital because that haircut is sick <laughs> which is what <laughs> what he said to the young man that was leaving like when i arrived at the <laughs> and i was like you say you you want haircut and i'm like yeah and he goes okay sit down <laughs> and uh, like he doesn't take names or anything. So there's all these people sitting and I'm like, well, how does he know when it's my turn? You know, he knows. He knows. He just knows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is Zach recently started going to a Russian barber because he was having a friend cut his hair ever since I've known him. And like, she's not a barber. She's a lady's hairdresser. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she would always give him like not great haircuts. And I was like, I, you know, told him a million times, that's not what she does. I'm not saying he's like, she's a really good hairdresser. Like she's really busy. People like her. I go, yeah, but doing ladies hair and barbering are different skills. There are different schools for that. Yeah, exactly. Like I have a friend who's a hairdresser who actually like on her own, she's a licensed hairdresser. She runs a very popular salon. Like she enrolled in barber school because she's like, I'm leaving money on the table by only being able to do one thing. Yeah. So like I would tell Zach, like, and he'd be like, but she's my friend. It's going to be weird, whatever. I'm like, what are you going to do? Have fucked up haircuts for forever because <laughs> you keep going to a lady's hairdresser? I go, find, go to an immigrant place. I was yeah. like, Mexicans are great barbers. Mm, yes. Um, Or there's a shitty dive bar right by our house and I get pedicures at a place by there and it's the best fucking pedicure I've ever gotten in this shitty strip mall. Mm. And there's a barber shop in there. And I was like, I bet that's a fucking dope barber because yeah. it's like a shitty cheap immigrant owned shop so he goes and it's a russian barber shop it turns out yeah he's a great fucking haircut he's full of stories from this russian guy you know yeah. being like hey, yeah my woman she talked too much you know <laughs> you can't have women tell you what to do you know and uh and so yeah and now he gets good haircuts that are actually cheaper and closer to home yeah. and he's like oh yeah it's so different i'm like yeah it's, it's a it's a whole thing it's a whole thing with men People yeah. think like male grooming is easy, but like no, it's not. It's uh, the haircut is like sculpture, and you have to get yeah. it done more often than women have to get their hair done. Yes, it's a it is a whole fucking thing. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and I was I you know he did the haircut and then he put uh, he put pomade in my hair, and he's like he's like look, you you need you you need to use pomade because your hair. He's, you know, very thin on top. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> it's like, and he goes, this this gives it thicker appearance. Look better. Look, you look better. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah. that's good advice because I would have thought, oh, don't put pomade on thin hair because it'll make it look thinner. But they know. They he fucking know. Yeah. Know. I mean, when I walked out of there, I was like, Jesus, this, I've never looked this good, you know. And so uh, I was like, all right, I'll go out and buy pomade, which I did. No. And, yeah. So. Um, Everyone yeah. go to a barber. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, there's like this kid there. It was like 14. He's like, what What are you, a senior? <laughs> and he's like, I'm a freshman. He's like, what What is that? <laughs> he's like, I'm in ninth grade. Right? He's like, oh, so would you graduate next year? He's like, no, I don't. it's like four years. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have school in Russia. <laughs> Apparently not the same. Yeah. The ones that goes to, he uses this massage thing on him. Oh, like yeah. The, the, yeah. Rub genie or something. Right. Yeah. Which then when Zach was telling me about it, I go, oh, yeah, my chiropractor has one of them. And he goes, they sell them there. Should I buy one? <laughs> and he's like, I can, you know, when you get home from work, I go, you want to play barber with me? Is that our new sex game is you're the barber and I'm the male client? And you go, oh, let me rub your muscles. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it just keeps getting lower and lower. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or you can actually massage my sore muscles. They're, well, they're both good options. A friend of yeah. mine put on Instagram like a month or two ago, she had like a Hitachi magic wand and she was holding it on her shoulder. Yeah. She's, she's a bartender. <laughs> and she goes, well, you know, you turn 35 and all of a sudden you start using your vibrator for what it's advertised as. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe i'll try that I don't yeah know. I don't know. well uh i got nothing else yeah i don't uh, either i guess we can tell people to have a happy hump day have a, a very happy hump day and get at it get at it okay. <laughs>